If you follow the news here in Canada lately, you'd think that violent incels are the greatest threat to national security. But are they? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. You're listening to Canadian Intelligence, eh? Podcasts about national security and public safety. And intelligence once in a while. When I worked at the Security Intelligence Service, CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, uh, we looked at terrorism in a serious way. Historically, we looked at things like Sikh terrorism in the early 80s. Of course, the Air India attack of 85, perpetrated by two Canadian Sikh extremists, was the greatest act of aviation terrorism in history prior to 9-11. We had Armenian terrorists. We had some far-right terrorists in the early 90s. We had, the, of course, the Tamil Tigers raised money in Canada for their cause in Sri Lanka. And then we had the jihadis, the Islamist extremists, which dominated my time there for 15 years, from 01 to 2015. More recently, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the, the re-rise of the far right. Right-wing extremism, white nationalism, white supremacism, neo-Nazis, those kinds of things. And one actor that's entered this fray, kind of peripherally, I guess I would say, is a group that I'd never heard of before a couple of years ago, and certainly wasn't something we worried about 15 or even five years ago. And these are a group, what are called incels, which is short for involuntary celibate. And the most one of the most recent public safety reports in Canada said that violent incels are a serious threat to Canadian national security. And I asked myself, really? Well, to look at this issue and others surrounding the incels, I am joined once again, I think for the third time, by somebody who is most definitely the most knowledgeable person on incels that I've ever met. Her name is Nama Cates. She runs a podcast called The Incel Project that takes a deep dive into the involuntary celibate community. It's a great podcast. And like I said, Nama is the go-to person on this. So, so Nama, thanks for joining me again on the podcast. My pleasure. Let's start with the your your work, Nama, you've been doing this for a couple of years now. What, what are the most recent developments on, in the online incel community writ large? Not, not the violent incel community, but the incel community writ large that you've been covering on your podcast of late. So I actually haven't uh, dealt with this yet on the show. Um, and so this is kind of a maybe like the first breaking news really on your show. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. So this is a uh, getting me comfortable with with maybe how I'm going to address it, but um there have been some major developments to the incel community and those have come in the form of a, a New York Times report that was actually about um a different uh online community, a a, a suicide forum, suicide discussion forum um that allow discussion of, of methods and things. And, you know, um, this was upsetting, understandably, and, and concerning to, to some people, especially people whose maybe young adult children were on the site. And it was a, you know, relatively, I guess it was a, a front page story. I, I was aware of it coming for a while because the owners of this site um, also happened to be the owners of the largest incel forum. This is incels.co, incels.is. Oh. Yes. This is the forum that whenever there's, you know, some piece, some think piece or some news piece about uh, incel forums and they, they kind of reference the most popular one or the most extreme one or the most violent one, they'll refer to it in a number of ways like that. They are talking about this one. Um, I've had them 
on my show before multiple times. Um, and so they, they were, they were doxxed by this report. Um, right. there was a hack of, uh, a hosting company they'd been with, you know, massive document leak. And, and so they were doxxed in this report, um, that led them both to step down from their roles at both of those sites, the, okay. the suicide form and the, um, you know, incels.is. So that's kind of a, a, you know, big bit of news. Um, there was previously a fair amount of speculation about whether, you know, the site was like a honeypot and incels would call them glowies, people that they thought were informants and things. And I think maybe some of them are still, still doing that, but um, there's a lot of concern about whether the site will keep, going, whether it will be taken down, whether these takedown efforts, which is what they are, you know, doxing these kinds right. of reports, um, are essentially efforts to take them down, you know, whether it be through public pressure, through media scrutiny. Um, in some cases, as you might know, in the UK, there have been efforts to do it through censorship with a mm-hmm. online safety bill that... Um, you know, named incels as, as a big threat. So I think there's a lot of concern about that. Um, it looks to me that someone else has stepped up and the sites are all still running and a lot of things have returned to normal, but I'm sure that there will be some um, some fracturing, maybe some people leaving that site and kind of joining other ones. And, you know, that might be a little chaotic for a while, but that's... That's it. You know, that, that's kind of big news in the incel community. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Can, can, let me pursue this for a second, uh, Nama. You know, you obviously know this community very well. You've been doing this podcast for a long time. I'm going to go on a limb and say that there are probably a number within the incel community that uh, feel their lives aren't very fulfilled in large part because they can't form these meaningful relationships and therefore think, what's the point? You know, why, why am I living kind of thing? It, have you seen historically I'm, – I'm trying to understand why this incel site would sort of marry up with this, you know, suicide hint site or, you know, methods on committed suicide. Is this something that you'd come across historically that there is any kind of a juxtaposition between the general – and I know I know it's, it's an overgeneralization, but the general incel community and people who think of taking their own lives? Or is this, is this really a surprise to you? Oh, no. Of course there is. I mean, you know – on both sites, there are people that are suffering from depression, the the majority of them, I think upwards of 80%, from anxiety, from extreme isolation. Um, a lot of them have terrible self-esteem, some personality disorders, a lot um, people on the autism spectrum, and that's on both sites. Um, I also, you know, I've known about the other site for quite some time now, though I didn't you know, I didn't ever look into it. It's not my bailiwick uh, until very recently. But um, there are similarities, and, and the owners of both communities started them when the respective communities of the same name that existed previously on Reddit, one was called, you know, uh, Incels, and the other was called the, the name of title of this site, which I'm not going to say, um, yep, fair enough. were were banned from Reddit. So they'd existed on Reddit until 2017 and 2018, respectively. And the owners of the site were members of both communities. And so they, you know, started them both as 
independent websites. Um, I, I was surprised when I first heard about it because people have a belief that incels are so terribly misogynistic that they won't talk to women, also that they're homophobic, that they're mm -hmm. racist, all these other things, and, and, and that they're right wing. And mm -hmm. the membership of the suicide forum was extremely diverse. It still is. Um, just as many women as men, lots of um, people on the LGBTQ uh, community that identify that way, um, trans people, you know, mm -hmm. there's no, no talk of race, all kinds of mental health condition. And I would say also overwhelmingly are left left wing in terms of their politics. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so let, let's pick up on that, Nama, because as I said, uh, you know, Canada in its infinite wisdom, the public safety department <laughs> has decided that there is in fact somehow a, a natural link between the incels and more narrowly that what they call the violent incels and what we call generally the far right. Like I said, yeah. you know, neo-Nazis, uh, white supremacists, of course your country has a lot more of those than, than mm -hmm. my country does. Do you really think that there is a natural relationship or a set of common ground between the majority of incels and the majority of these wankers who, you know, attacked the Capitol on January the 6th of last year and, and, <laughs> and want to create an all white society and all, or, or is this something that people are making up? Cause you just told me that you found most of them are actually left of center politically. Uh, on, yeah, on the other form they they are left of center on the, the suicide forum, but the, you know, these are run by the same people. I would say that there is, uh, there are some superficial commonalities between the far right and incels as there are really between any kind of fringe group. Most of them are young. Most of them are male. Most of them are not um, finding a lot of fulfillment socially, maybe don't have families, maybe don't have girlfriends. This is part of their grievance, you know, um, and also fairly unhappy with societal mores, the establishment, the government. There's just kind of a sense of, of wanting to, stick it to the man, being unhappy, feeling marginalized, that is common in these groups and, right. and many others, I would say. Um, also, because most of these are, are young men and young men tend to be the ones that, you know, take part in these kinds of groups, um, it makes sense that, you know, there would be some element of, of what is misogynistic talk because, right. well, people are unhappy with their lives. Usually one of their complaints is with their, you know, lack of success romantically or with the other other sex that's just kind of the human right. condition um mm -hmm. so so in so far as as that goes and some of the the language that might kind of move from one to the other that's uh just was 4chan culture some of these terms they kind of borrow back and forth uh some of the the memes their usage of the internet Sure. Um, but other than that, not really. I, I, I would say that, you know, incels, young men in general who who have nothing to lose might be more likely to be drawn to a movement like this as to might someone um, who is depressed, who is isolated, who is aggrieved, who is on the autism spectrum too, as we're finding the way that people on the spectrum engage with online content is a bit different. Mm -hmm. But uh other than that, ideologically, no. Oh, 
Okay. Let, let's another thing that you've mentioned. I want to pursue as well. So you've you've talked to a lot of these guys. You've obviously been on these forums. You know the language. You know the memes. You know the types of things that they post. Would you say, in your experience, that the vast majority of people who are engaged in these online sites maybe post things that are, at a minimal, probably unacceptable to a greater society, and at the extreme end, really worrisome from a threat of violence perspective? Do the vast majority, is, is that as far as they go? I mean, they might post things online, but they don't actually materialize in the real world as someone that's really thinking or even capable of doing something violent? Close to 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me at all because we saw the same thing with the jihadis. A lot of them would talk the talk, but you know, never walk the walk, right? Because they're either incompetent or they're cowards, I think, at the end of the day. So as I said, so, so Public Safety Canada has come up with this report, and it actually explicitly mentioned incels, which I think it might be the first time we've done that. As mm-hmm. I said, when I worked at security service, this, this, was not, this was a non-issue. Right. We'd never even heard of incels in, in the 2015, 2016. It just, just didn't exist. And of course, Alec Manassian being the famous case, and you and I have talked about him at length, whether mm-hmm. he was a true incel or not. The answer seems to be somewhere in the middle. The judge didn't think he was a true incel. No. would pronounce sentence. Are you seeing the same kind of language, and I'm, maybe you're not aware of it, in the U.S. sort of law enforcement, security, intelligence community? Is DHS talking about violent incels as a serious threat to national security in your country? Um, not to the same extent. There aren't public reports from DHS that include them. There's language that um, is is suggestive of possibly being uh, broadening the definition, you know, as I've talked about with you from, from terrorism to targeted violence that might include mm-hmm. some things as racially motivated attacks or um, which would, you know, allow white supremacists into the conversation or right. male supremacist attacks. So the, there's that kind of language um, from, from individual States, you know, Texas had some report that, specifically mentioned incels kind of as a footnote. And I know that there is um, concern within the CVE community and the targeted Viol- Office of Targeted Violence Prevention, that's a part of the DHS, to right. put some you know, funding into researching uh, these communities. And, and they, they've done that and maybe programming for them, but it's not been... Um, sort of officially categorized as a threat to national security in the same way. No. And of course, you know, as you're probably aware of, there's a case from, is it 20, I'm losing track with COVID now. I think it's 2019, maybe it's 2020. Yeah. The man, in, young man in Toronto who went to a massage parlor and killed uh, yes. one woman and wounded another. And he was allegedly an incel and he's been charged under, uh, with terrorism under the criminal code. You've never had that kind of case in, in your country, I don't believe. No. Okay. And I know that that okay. was the first instance of, of anyone that wasn't uh, an Islamist extremist in your country as well, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So looking at, you know, the people you engage with in these online communities, Nama, uh, what do they think about this whole thing, about this, as you called it earlier, a fringe of the fringe that may in fact entertain the possibility of violence against women or against people, you know, the so-called the Chads and the Stacys kind of thing that they perceive as the ones that are getting, having all the fun and, you know, it's my turn and why don't I have sharing that kind of fun? But given it's the fringe of the fringe, what what does the, the greater majority of the community think when this language starts being used, like I say, in Canada, where they're actually being mentioned in a public safety report about, you know, national threats, threats to national yeah. security. What, what kind of reaction do you, do you get from when you, when you talk to these guys? I mean, they 
they think that it's uh, unwarranted and they feel concerned sometimes for their safety. Sometimes ironically, sometimes not. They, you know, have what I'd call it an increased uh, victimology or victimhood narrative or complex that they feel that people are there. They feel very unseen in the first place and that, right. you know, people don't even want to deal with them in society. They have no use for them. If they can't be uh, kind of worker drones or wage cucks, as they call them, then <laughs> they just want to get rid of them. And that's, you know, low status men that they just want to get rid of low status men. And, you know, when they see language like that, I think that it sort of cements that fear in the ones that legitimately fear it. And a lot of them do. A lot of them are quite paranoid. I mean, not the majority at all, you know, not even like a, a small percentage, but but a handful that I, I talk to. And that handful is, you know, in, in the dozens that kind of join other websites and stuff are, are very paranoid about, um, you know, police uh, sort of keeping track of them and, and law enforcement monitoring them for being on the websites. And, you know, this kind of language certainly ups the ante for that kind of paranoia. I find that fascinating because in my experience, if you wanted to put yourself out there as a, as a violent threat, let's say you subscribe to an ideology, be it neo-Nazis or jihadis or Hindu extremists, whatever, and you get named publicly, that's almost like a badge of honor. Like, thank mm-hmm. God they're noticing us. Like, yes. they really, we're, we, we really matter. You know, the security services and law enforcement see us as an investigative priority. Woohoo, we've joined the club. And we now strike fear in the hearts of Americans or Canadians or Brits, whatever kind of thing. And you're telling me it's, it's, it's actually the quite quite the opposite. Not not only they did they reject this kind of thing, but it, it actually makes them fearful. And I can say I, I don't remember a lot of jihadis being fearful about being found out by the security service. In fact, they would brag about it because it somehow legitimized the actions that they were taking. Yeah, it, it was almost a goal to become, you know, a public enemy in that way. And it's definitely not for incels. You know, they they don't want that kind of attention. The more and more I talk to you, Naman, let's say this is the third time, uh, actually fourth time, because I was fourth on your time, podcast. I think, yeah. um, the more and more I talk to you, the more and more I'm being, becoming convinced that this uh, unwarranted attention on uh, the very small number of violent incels is, again, not only unwarranted, but vastly exaggerated and and when we look at threats to our security be they public safety threats like you know criminality gangs etc organized crime or actual terrorism these guys don't belong anywhere near on that list no they don't and the more that i talk to them and the more that i observe um the actions and the reactions to other groups that i think might belong in there the more i feel that way too i mean they they don't have uh, organized movements, contrary to sometimes the mischaracterizations that say they do. They don't have goals. They don't have political agendas. They don't have charismatic preachers that get airtime on radio stations or in newspapers. They don't do any of that stuff. They don't propagandize and they don't recruit. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> here's an unfair here's an unfair question for you because I don't have an answer to it. Why do you think, I mean, did, you know, Elliot Roger, Alec Manassian, I mean, these were fairly significant acts of violence. I mean, we can set aside for now whether we call them terrorism or misogynistic attacks or hate crimes or whatever kind of thing. Why do you think it is now that it's getting, getting so much attention? I mean, 
on any given day, jihadis somewhere in the world in Mozambique or Pakistan or Israel or in the Sahel or Nigeria are beheading people on a daily basis. And you get the onesies and twosies of the occasional fringe of the fringe of the fringe violent insults. Why do you think this has kind of become the soup of the day and is now you know, leaping to the top of the charts in terms of threats to national security? Um, cynically, I think it, it's an easy story and a more salacious story, and that will get clicks and headlines. You know, um, this is the, the threat that lives in your basement. It could be the shy guy around the corner. Um, you know, there's kind of an archetype of this weird loner kid that's going to turn and do something terribly violent. And maybe people even want to feel slightly justified in hating those people. Um, and then, you know, what's going on in, in Mozambique is in Mozambique and it's not at our front doors and it's not going to sell newspapers. It'll just be a number in a land far away. (laughs) Yeah, I'm shaking my head, but I, I understand your cynicism. I don't think it's all that it's all far removed from reality. I think we are dealing with a an ethos or a mindset now that wants to focus on these unfortunate events, and they are violent events. And they, of course, you know, we're, we're on the same side here, right? I mean, if people engage in acts of violence, they, they've got to be punished for their acts of violence, and, of and and preferably stop before they actually do it, before they actually kill anybody. But yeah, to to talk, talk about it as a threat to national security just it, it makes it makes me. Um, Makes me wonder. Uh, last question, Nama, because I don't want to keep it much longer. Um, so, what's next for the podcast? Uh, you so you talked to you, but a little spoiler alert at the first. Um, is going to be more of the same coming up, or are you are you are, are you you can take the podcast in a different direction, or if you can give my listeners a because I know a lot of my listeners listen to you as well. What's uh, what's in store for the Incel Project? Well, um, as of right now, I'm I'm kind of just going to plug away with it. Uh, there always seems to be you know, uh, some kind of listener mail with a good idea or someone coming along with a a good story, a good issue they want to discuss. Um, I have been talking to a a media company that wants to work with me and might want to reformat the show in some way, which is interesting. So yeah, I might might do something like that. Thank you. That would be probably be very helpful. But um, as of the next episode that I'm going to be doing and just recorded last night is my first one with a fem cell. So Ooh, that's be cool. exciting. Yes. Um, it is episode number 69 and it's my first one with a, a fem cell. Um, and it was I, I, I assume that's a very, very, it's a, it's a, it's in a, what does it call it? A, is it serendipitous? It's episode 69, Amma, or is it something that, yes. uh, <laughs> or synchronicitous or serendipitous? I don't know, but it, it works either way. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Well, that's great news. I, I sincerely hope that the media company you're working with uh, does this because I think that you know your work deserves a lot more attention, a lot more listenership. Because you, you, like I said, you are the person to go to, and you've you've had some amazing success with it. So, you know, Nama, I I got a sneaking suspicion you're going to be on again at some point. But I do want to take uh, this time to again thank you very very much for joining me and and answering my questions and dealing with these issues. I know we're kind of like minded on this, but it does worry me when I when I see things being purported to be the priorities on a national security level that just uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, some of it's baffling. Exactly. Listen, my friend, belated Happy New Year, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Happy New Year, and thank you. 
that was my con- my fourth conversation with Nama Cates from the Incel Project. What do you think about this notion that violent incels are somehow should be a, a priority for the law enforcement and security intelligence organizations of, of Western nations? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content and want to get more, go to the website borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You get all free, a free daily digest of all the podcasts and blogs. You'll also find, find a link to my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, History of Terrorism in Canada from the Confederation of the Present, available on the website or at, on Amazon Kindle. Love to hear your feedback on this and other matters. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe. Mm-hmm.